You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. <laughs> yes! Hello and welcome to the scrimmage. I am Daniel Hargrove. And I'm Justin Damashevitz, and we've also got our trusty producer Andrew Gross here with us, working on the buttons and knobs and making us sound as good as possible. Yeah, remember by the way that when we didn't have him here and we were like, is this actually going to sound worse without him constantly fiddling with things? Did what it is- sound worse? I. I mean, the video was obviously way worse because I'm not sure if you watched the YouTube videos that I just posted from that, but it was just like half of my head on the screen. I'm going to be honest, like as far as the audio quality, I thought it was fine. But one of my favorite takeaways from that show was how much we were continuously congratulating ourselves on the actual <laughs> podcast for successfully doing the things that Andrew normally does. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, have we got a show for you, the Seattle Seahawks, somehow... Maybe we should just start, like like what I used to call the Dolphins, the Marinos. Maybe we should just change the Seahawks to the Wilsons. Could have been the Lockets in the first half. That's true. Anyway, they get the win again, 3-0. and Lots of fun stuff to talk about with that. But first, let's get going with the two-minute drill. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Hello. Gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Hey, two-minute situation. 44 seconds. Hand the ball to the ref. Gun duel right, gun duel right. Three jet Buckeye. Don't worry. Three. The two-minute drill starts now. Mississippi State opened its season on Saturday with an upset victory over defending champs LSU. Bulldog quarterback K.J. Costello set an SEC record with 623 passing yards and tossed five touchdowns in his first game under new head coach Mike Leach. Justin, did Mike Leach just prove that his air raid offense can work in the SEC? Uh, I think he proved it to the rest of the nation. I think people who have been watching Pac-12 football thought, uh, duh, it's going to work wherever he goes, and it's going to be fine, and then he's probably going to lose a couple of games that he shouldn't lose at some point. But the the idea that SEC fans and analysts had that, well, that won't work here because our players are faster than NFL players, so there's no way an air raid could possibly <laughs> work against our better-than-the-NFL Southeastern Conference was stupid in the first place. Also, K.J. Costello used to be a Stanford quarterback. Well, Leach just grabs people from wherever and is like, hey, do you want to throw for a butt-ton of yards? Let's go. How many is a butt ton? Anyway, 600 and however many he had. 23, it's right there in front of you. With the recent, I was on a different tab. With the recent announcement that the Pac-12 will indeed have a football season starting Woo. in November, Yay. Daniel, your Oregon State Beavers are oh. preparing for a six-week run-up to their first game, which includes a four-week training camp. Beaver fans, as I found out when I read Beaver Twitter and Beaver blogs earlier today, are optimistic about this improved and experienced team Daniel, what is the ceiling for the Oregon State Beavers football team this season? Well, what? They're playing seven games? Yeah. Seven game schedule? Yep. I'd put their ceiling at five and two. Well, I think they could have a pretty good year. Oh, this eligible year. for the first time in three years? Yeah. It hasn't been that long. It hasn't been that long. Sean thought... Mannion was just there, remember? It hasn't been that long. <laughs> I thought I saw that they. I thought it was were 2014. All bowl eligible right now. Oh, yeah, that's true. 
Oh. Sorry, Daniel. You can finish answering the question. I think it's about five and two. Okay. The Dallas Stars beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-2 on Saturday to force a Game 6 in the Stanley Cup Finals. Justin, with all of the sports going on right now at the same time, have you paid any attention to hockey? No. In fact, I kind of forgot that the Stanley Cup playoffs were happening Uh until, like, Wednesday. And then I was like, (laughs) oh, I should probably look at that. And normally I do kind of pay attention a little bit at least to who is advancing and who isn't. And at the beginning of the Stanley Cup playoffs, I knew what was happening. But we're in sensory overload now. We went months with no sports. Now we have all the sports at one time. I'm loving it. But also, if something's going to end up on the back burner, it's definitely hockey. Oh. (laughs) ESPN's Mina Kimes jokingly on Highly Questionable on Friday said that Gardner Minshew is destined to be the next Ryan Fitzpatrick. Both our late draft picks are well-liked, regarded as good leaders, and are identified by their facial hair. Daniel, should either quarterback be insulted by that comparison? Oh, man. I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick would probably be really excited if he was like, yeah, somebody else is getting compared to me with anything and it might seem kind of positive. I mean, that's him turning a, his career into a fairly good one. I think Gardner Minshew, as a young guy coming up and what he's shown so far in his career, he should absolutely feel disrespected. Come on. <laughs> Mustache is going all the way. I thought it was really interesting, actually, (laughs) on that episode of Highly Questionable, because they had Mina Kimes and Pablo Torre on there. And Mina was saying, like, I kind of feel uncomfortable making this comparison because I feel like it's disrespectful to Gardner Minshew. And then Pablo Torre came out on the other side and he was like, are you kidding me? Ryan Fitzpatrick should be insulted that he's being compared to Gardner Minshew. Why? What has Ryan Fitzpatrick done besides get fan bases excited and then promptly suck really, really, really hard and then get cut and then go somewhere else? Get fan bases really excited and then suck really. I mean, there's entire charts and and graphs made about the Fitz magic circle of life that he just continuously goes Fitz on. Magic well, if it's tragic, yes. If there are charts and graphs, I mean, actually, I think what happened was Pablo went to Harvard, and uh, so there's like that connection there. They were actually at Harvard at the same time, uh-huh. so he felt like he needed to stand up for his boy. I get it. Harvard. That means but they're smart. Also, I mean, we could all acknowledge, except for me because I'm the Minshew defender, we could all acknowledge oh, that there's at least a slim chance that Gardner Minshew's career turns out less good than Ryan Fitzpatrick's career. Like, the guy's 37 and he's starting in the NFL. Like, he's a compiler, but he's got decent stats. Like, there's a chance that there's a pretty good likelihood. I think you guys would agree and I wouldn't. There's a pretty good likelihood that Gardner Minshew will never reach Ryan Fitzpatrick's stat level. I think you can get out, <laughs> and your defender status I has am been revoked. the Minshew defender, <laughs> Daniel. I rebuke happens, you for saying that. If that happens, <laughs> it's said. Jacksonville's fault. Well, I said that oh, you geez, would. Say Jack, it. You're, you know what? You might be right because Jacksonville's trying to do that to him right now. Yeah. Because actually, this year could screw up his career because of how bad Jacksonville is. Actually, I talked to Andrew about this earlier off air. I watched a decent amount of the Thursday night game. And I was like, huh, they're doing, like, sea hockey things to Gardner Minshew right now. They're going, let's create a mess for three quarters and then just let you give you the ball in the fourth quarter and, and say, here, fix it. But 
as much as I hate to say it, Gardner Minshew is not quite on Russell Wilson's level yet. No. (laughs) (laughs) So he can't, like, he's great at improvisation and he's proven that he can come through in big situations, but not always. Exactly. So he was kind of made to look like a fool at times on Thursday night, but it's not his fault. It's because his organization has put a garbage product on the field and then left the whole mess in his lap. Exactly. And it's really frustrating to watch. Yeah. And he still managed to put up pretty good numbers. Yeah. and some Except of the th- for Thursday was a little rough. Some of the throws he made, though, like I was watching the highlights from that game, and I was just going, dang, that's a nice throw. Dang, yeah. that's a money throw. Like constantly. Yeah. And yet just absolute trash on the field with him. Then they get to third and seven, and they run it up the middle. Yeah. You know, like that's basically what the Seahawks like to do. Pretty sea hockey. Give it to Travis Homer. But here's the difference. The Jaguars are trying to lose. (laughs) Uh, Daniel, have you paid any amount of attention to hockey? No. No. Would you have paid attention to hockey if the Seattle Kraken were a part of it? Yes. Because I think I wouldn't have. Okay. Just because this is such a weird moment in sports history oh you're talking about this year specifically right now like just specifically right now because we have we have nba playoffs we have the nfl starting we have baseball season just winding down and going into the playoffs like everything's happening at once for the first time ever and then hockey just kind of gets like they're not even talking it's not a national headline anymore when they were first getting into the playoffs some of the sports radio shows were talking about it they're really not anymore yeah it's very weird. It's very odd. And I'm wondering, I mean, basketball season's still going, right? Yeah. Yes. Like, it feels like they've been in the bubble forever. And so hockey would be the same way. Like, yes. that's just kind of how it feels. It's like, man, this is taking a long time. And isn't basketball season supposed to start soon? It is, but they haven't, exa- <laughs> they haven't exactly. So normally it would start, like, around Halloween, they were already considering moving it back to Christmas and just making like December through July the new season and just do that even going forward. Wow. Um, but they may have to end up even pushing it further back than that. But they haven't really settled on, number one, when they're going to start or how they're going to do it. There's been a lot of different proposals. Do they do a regular season like kind of what the NFL is doing? Where Are we at the point where teams can play home and away and just maybe not have fans in the stands or whatever? Or do does the NBA need to structure it where – they shorten the season and do like two separate um, time frames of bubbles. Like you have a three a three month bubble for the first part of the regular season, then a break, then another bubble. There's a lot of different proposals out there. We have to wait until this season ends before we really figure out what happens from there. It's so bizarre. Like even if they started in December, yeah, the Lakers and the Heat starting in December would yeah. just seem crazy. Well, they had a huge. It would be like having two smaller-ish off-seasons, I guess. Actually, I guess the first off-season during the original pandemic shutdown was pretty long. It was a few months. That's true. And then some of the teams, it's been really long because they didn't even get invited to the yeah, bubble. exactly. Yeah, so we'll figure all that out. I think I think they're going to do the draft in November and then hammer out some dates from there. I would hope, I would really hope that they'll start on Christmas. Christmas Day basketball is kind of a tradition that I've grown to enjoy a little bit where they put marquee games on on Christmas. So I'm hoping for that. Yeah. And Andrew, oh, hockey fan that you are, how much have you been paying attention to the NHL? I have watched roughly five periods of the, what, four 
get four, five, five games so far. Uh, so I've had it on, um, but I haven't been tracking it super, super well. But if Seattle I, was in it, if Seattle was in it, or if Vancouver, well, was if in Seattle was in it, that would mean that they were in the playoffs. Yes, and, and so we'd be pretty so hardcore be into it. Uh, if honestly though, I just think it kind of stinks that it's Texas and Tampa Bay, and I'm just like, they don't even like hockey there, do they? Like, what's? But they're not even close to Canada. <laughs> I have no idea what their hockey fan bases I, is like. I think they've got decent fan bases, but it is weird because, like, the, the hockey fan base in those areas is a smaller percentage of the total people. And uh, and so I I just think it's it, it doesn't catch my interest as much in for that reason also. Like, definitely if the Canucks were in it, I would be paying a lot of attention because I've We've – been... I wouldn't call myself a fan, but I've followed them – We've been followers years, of yeah. of Vancouver for a while, I would say. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it's now time to uh, send it to Justin's favorite part of the show. Oh boy! I'm not happy about it, but it's stump Daniel. We <laughs> are gonna stump Daniel today with some fun facts. Not we? only well, me and ESPN stats and info. Oh, okay. Because it's all of we. the information. <laughs> That I got for this one is trivia that came from the ESPN Stats and Info Twitter page. Don't even try to go look it up right now, Daniel. So this is a combination of uh, NFL trivia from... I think I broke my laptop. (laughs) NFL trivia from week three and a couple of things from uh, the NBA going into the finals. Okay. You ready for your first question, Daniel? Sure. I'm I think you just have... having to backspace all the random characters I typed into our show sheet. Okay. <laughs> all right, there we go. I think you have potential for 11 points here. Uh-oh. So you probably need to get at least like eight, but I do actually I'm think- I'm going to get two. These questions are all gettable. I think you have a decent chance to get an A. Okay. You could get 10 out of 11. I believe in you. Uh-oh. If you don't, you suck. Lower okay. my expectations here. Lower them. <laughs> the first question actually comes from a game that was near and dear to all of our hearts. The Seahawks game. The win over the Dallas Cowboys. So in that game, Dak Prescott passed for 472 yards, which made him only the third player in NFL history to pass for 450-plus yards in consecutive games. One player did it in 2019, and one player did it in 2018. Daniel, who are the two other players besides Dak Prescott who have passed for 450-plus yards in two consecutive games? Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is not one of them. Barf. You get an X there. One more guess. 450? 450-plus in consecutive games. Yikes. Um, Drew Brees. Drew Brees is not one of them. In 2019, Jameis Winston passed. Oh, my gosh. He was the NFL's passing yardage leader yet last year. I thought you might have gotten that. Also, in 2018, Ben Roethlisberger did it. I was I was leaning towards Roethlisberger on my second one, and then I was just like, I like Drew Brees. And I don't remember in 2018 if Roethlisberger led the league in passing. I remember that they abandoned the run and passed a buttload that year, and I think he threw for 5,000 yards. So yeah. that was another one. Uh, but well, doesn't Drew Brees throw for 5,000 like every year? 
probably. Dude, for a while. Yeah. Also, uh, just for an official note here, you officially cannot get an A anymore because you're over two. Duh. All right. <laughs> this one comes from the Colts game. Philip Rivers, through his 400... 400th... There you four, go. That was a tough word for me. <laughs> 400th career touchdown pass on Sunday. He is the sixth player to reach that mark. Who are the other five? You should be able to get all five of them. You get one point if you get all five. I get one if I get all five? You, because it's easy. You should be able to get these. The five players in NFL history who have thrown more touchdown passes than Philip Rivers. Which is 400? Yeah. Drew Brees. Drew Brees is the first one. He is the NFL all-time leader. Tom Brady. Tom Brady is second. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is third. There's two other quarterbacks on this list. Oh, boy. Uh, right now, everyone listening to the show is going, Daniel, how are you missing this? It's... Dan Marino? Dan Marino is the fifth one. There's a player in between Peyton Manning and Dan Marino. Dan Marino, by the way, threw 420 career touchdown passes, so Rivers needs 20 more to catch him. Oh, man. You know, I really start to hate this music after a while. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. Uh, Brett Favre. Brett Favre is correct. Yes. Daniel, you got him. You got a point. You're on the board. You got all oh, five. I'm so Drew glad. Bre I almost said John Elway. <laughs> In order, it is Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, and Dan Marino. Okay. You are one out of three so far. Here's your next question. Josh Allen now has 19 career rushing touchdowns. That's the second most by a quarterback in his first three seasons in NFL history. What quarterback holds the record for most rushing touchdowns in their first three seasons in NFL history? Michael Vick. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you'd get this one. It's Cam Newton. Michael Vick was more of a yardage rusher, but he did run a lot. Cam Newton was more of a touchdown scorer. Yeah. Are you disappointed in yourself for not I getting am. that? Okay. I'm also disappointed in you for not getting that. Because I'm a Cam guy. You, or I was. You are now one for four. I said you could have gotten an A. I'm sorry I showed so much confidence in you. <laughs> Next question. This is a possible, you got possible three points on this, okay? And the phrasing on this question is a little weird. So if you need clarification, feel free to ask. Three top wide receivers missed their team's week three games due to injury. Each is leading the NFL in a major receiving stat category since 2016. One in receptions, one in yards, one in touchdowns. Which receivers are they? So three separate receivers are leading the NFL in a major stat category since 2016. All three of them missed their team's games this week. Who this are the week? Yep. And you had, this is three potential points. I split these up because it's a little tougher. So what player since 2016 has the most receptions in the NFL that didn't play this week? Antonio Brown? It is not Antonio Brown. I, that's a terrible guess. He's not missing a game due to injury. Oh, due to injury. Right. Uh, the answer, obviously, to that one is Michael Thomas. You missed it. Congratulations. Which player 
who missed his team's game in week three, is leading the NFL in receiving yards since 2016. I don't know who all these, uh, if they're hurt. You're just going to have to, you're going to have to roll with it. You're going to have to guess. Who do you think, if you were to guess, is leading the NFL in receiving yards since 2016? I would, I mean, my first Julio Jones. It is Julio Jones. You got one. I didn't know he was hurt. Yeah, he he missed the Falcons game this week. Okay, the next player. Leading the NFL in receiving touchdowns since 2016 did not play in the Sunday night game. In the Sunday night game? Yeah, I'm giving you a hint. Yeah, you did. And Do you remember who's playing in the Sunday night game? Because we just <laughs> talked about it right before we went on air. I can't remember who you're talking about. <laughs> oh, wait. Was it? No. I can't remember who was in the Sunday night game. Uh, receiving touchdowns. Receiving touchdowns. <laughs> this is so bad. I don't know about you guys, but I'm really enjoying this music bed that we have going on here. Uh, when you hear the music bed really well, that means Daniel is really struggling. And sometimes when Daniel's really struggling to come up with an answer, I like to just talk in filibuster for him. And sometimes I just go silent. Wait a second, wait a second. Uh... If you can't see it on the video right now, if you're what Daniel is leaning his face on his microphone screen. So if watching him fl- or listening to him flail isn't difficult enough, like his nose is all twisted and pressed up against the microphone screen, which makes this additionally difficult to watch. <laughs> Who was it? Who played? I don't know, but you got to guess somebody. Oh, this is so painful. More painful for you than it is for me. I'm actually kind of enjoying it. Andrew, how are you doing? Uh, well, I'm enjoying the stump Daniel, but I'm looking at lists of Seahawk injuries and getting depressed. Okay. Andrew's okay. distracted. Right. I'll take I'll take the loss, but can you tell me who was playing tonight? Yes. <laughs> it was the Saints and the Packers. Packers. So obviously so Devontae Adams. It's obviously Devontae Adams, but you got to take the L. I'm taking the L. I, oh, my God. Okay, so right now, you have two right and five wrong. Typical. Here's a chance for you to get three points. We're shifting from NFL to NBA. I'll try and be quicker this time. LeBron James. <laughs> oh, LeBron. Is the fourth player in NBA history to reach the finals at least ten times. Who are the other three players? Bill Russell. Bill Russell is one. Ten times? Ten times. Holy smokes. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Larry Bird? That is not correct. Larry Bird did not reach the end. I think he reached eight times. But I'd have to go verify that. Ten times. (laughs) You keep going quiet right before the pong pong ping part? Uh... 
Let's go with. It's gonna be something stupid like. It's gonna be something stupid like what, Daniel? I don't know. <laughs> Ten times is a lot. It is a lot. I think I've broken, Andrew. I'm broken. Uh, after this segment is over, are you going to be able to recover and do the rest of the show? I don't know. This is miserable. Shaquille O'Neal. That is not correct. That's a terrible guess. Okay, Daniel, you got one more guess. I have another guess? Yeah, well, there's three answers, and you've guessed twice. I've guessed three times. Who was your second guess? Larry Bird. Oh, boy. At least I'm I gonna... can count to three. <laughs> You're right. Who's stopping you know what? now? I'm going to give you another point because I forgot how to count. All right. The answers are Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Sam Jones. I don't know how you didn't get that one. Sam Jones. Oh, Sam Jones. Played with Bill Russell on the Celtics in the 60s and 70s. Okay. Five-time All-Star. Can't believe you didn't get that. I'm... Jabbar would have been a good guess. I think you, I kind of feel like you should have got it. Oh. Yeah. I went into this confident that you were going to be able to get these answers, and right now you have four. Okay. Have Have you not? One last question. <laughs> this star Eastern Conference player has shot 0 for 13 in the first quarter of his last three games, including 0 and 5 in Game Six on Sunday. This star Eastern Conference player has shot 0 for 3, 13 in the first quarter of his last three games, including 0 for 5 in Game 6 on Sunday. And I'm supposed to get this on one guess? Yes! That would mean that I was paying attention to a random Eastern Conference you, game. You actually don't really have to pay attention to the random Eastern Conference games if you, like, randomly pulled up Twitter or Facebook or listened to, like, SportsCenter or I'm, something. I'm on Facebook fairly regularly. Twitter, no. I this should. A, I this really is a, need to start listening to a national sports radio show. This is high profile that this guy has struggled early in the be, early in the last few games. I thought you said fourth quarter. First quarter. First quarter. Jimmy Butler. It is not Jimmy Butler. Is That's it, a terrible guess. Is it Jason Tatum? It is Jason Tatum. Why didn't you guess that first? Because I had I had two options. The star from each team. I had no clue which one it was. I just thought that it, if it was a big story, then it would be one of those guys. Well, let's see here, Daniel. You got one, two, three. <laughs> you got one bonus point. So you got four correct and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wrong. So you're four for 12 which is 33%, which for those of you who are scoring at home, even if you're grading on a curve, is an F for failure. Or a dang good batting average. <laughs> Andrew, turn off that music. <laughs> I've never been so upset with it in my life. That. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> the amount of time that I listened to that music during that one question... You know what the worst about part? About boiled my brain. The worst part about this was like almost none of that was stuff you cared about. <laughs> but you just struggled so bad. Like I feel like there's residual effect right now when I look in your eyes. Well, my eyes are also bothering me right now for some reason. I don't know what's going on, but I've just been like rubbing them so hard. You had to think too hard. That's probably what, what it was. Yeah. yeah. His brain's overheating. Can't believe you didn't get Sam Jones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got some good stuff coming up. Going to get into some Seahawks talk, but also 
Another Seattle team just had their season end. We'll chat about what we thought about their year after this. Do you have a legal situation and need someone on your side? Let the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz be your advocate. If you've been the victim of medical malpractice, suffered a personal injury, or need representation with real estate law, small business law, or estate planning, let Jeff Domashevitz put his 29 years of experience to work for you. Call Jeff Domashevitz today at 360-612-3991 or visit domashevitzlaw.com. That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z-L-A-W.com. And we're back. Thank you so much to that sponsorship as the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz sponsoring Stump Daniel. We do appreciate you for that. Now we're going to take a little bit of a chance to I'm talk. Sorry. I'm sorry. I need a mute button on my microphone. I just burped into the mic. I apologize for any of you that had to hear that. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to just keep going. I really was. But then it's we made eye me. contact and I just started laughing. Has anyone else noticed that since we're like all kind of nearing middle age that sometimes gas just escapes <laughs> you and you don't always know it's coming? Yes. <laughs> That's what yes, happened. I have. I'm sorry. And you know what? That's my bad because that then... was the best transition <laughs> that you've had into and out of a commercial probably since the the reboot of the show. It probably. was incredible. Yeah. You did a great job and then I ruined by just burping into the Justin microphone. Justin couldn't let that go. <laughs> you know the other thing, by the way? Not only do you just have g- gas like escape you without you being prepared for yeah. it, do you then forget that it happened? Like, really quickly? Yeah. Because sometimes my wife will be like, ugh, what's that smell? And I was like, I don't know, you must have farted. And she's like, it wasn't me. And I'm like, oh, no. Since we're opening the kimono. Was that me? I don't remember. Since we're opening the kimono on our gas here. Um, has anyone? Does anyone feel like your burps are getting smellier? Oh, yeah. Because we do, like, a lot of times since I get, I run hot, so I get really warm. And a lot of times when I'm with my wife in the evening and we're watching TV to wind down before we go to bed, I bring my fan out and I set it next to me and I blow it right on me from the side. Which means that it's blowing from me to her, so technically even though we're inside, she's downwind from me. And sometimes I burp and I don't think about it and she's like, oh dear god, what did you eat? Why does it smell like rotten fish? See, I thought that I was just came out of came at it genetically, because yeah, my dad has I, really terrible burps. Actually, Hargroves do have stinky burps. <laughs> I think it. I think with you, it might have been from a younger age. Okay. Or did I always have stinky burps and I never realized it? Yeah, maybe because you just never had a fan blowing it directly into somebody's face. It's very possible. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about our gas for a long time. Andrew, tell us about your gas. Yeah, I don't seem to be as old as you two. <laughs> Oh, it's just because he's not married yet and he hasn't probably hasn't had somebody (laughs) pointing it out to him constantly. So the Mariners just ended their season. They ended with a loss against the Oakland A's. They actually did they split the series against the A's? I think they did. They split the final series with the A's. I'll take your word for it. They ended up going as I burp. Twenty-seven and thirty-three on the year, which is under five hundred. But they only missed out on the playoffs by two games because the Houston Astros, without knowing what pitches are coming, they also <laughs> were under five hundred. They went twenty-nine and thirty-one, and I gotta say, this season went as about as well as I could have hoped, for a couple of different reasons. 
I knew that they weren't going to do very well. Did you hear me burp again? Daniel yep. has descended into a burping yeah. stupor. Do you need to take a break for a moment? Maybe I just need to breathe or yawn or something. I don't know. But, okay. Uh, I think that no one was expecting them to be close, which we were fine with. And that made watching the games really fun or watching what I did of the games and the highlights and stuff and listening and following. I follow games on my phone more than actually watching them because I don't have root sports. So I, I'm more like I'm constantly looking at my phone, but you could get really excited when they won. And if they lost, you were just like, nah, who cares? And there is one regret though. Cause you hope that the guy that they got back for Taiwan Walker is actually good because since it was so close and since their last starter that they kind of threw in there a bunch of times who wasn't one it wasn't Gonzalez who was good or Sheffield who they wanted to see and Justin Dunn who they wanted to see and you say Kikuche or Kikuchi I sorry Kikuche you say Kikuche that's less funny than his actual name <laughs> his name is you say Kikuchi it's a great name so you saying Kukuche actually made it less funny. Yeah, but, you know, it wasn't one of their guys who you wanted to see. It was just some random person who they just kind of threw out there to fill that spot. And it makes you wonder, would they have won two more games had they had Taiwan Walker? And I get the strategy of selling, but did you have to do that trade? Because it only got you one prospect back. Like so I'm I'm hoping that that player actually turns out to mean something because Taiwan Walker is pretty young still too 28 I think and could have factored in in the next 5 or 6 years but he was a free agent but, yeah and they could they, still sign him back after the season's over the if they want to trade did not change their chances the, what the way I heard the uh service talking about it the trade did not ch change their chances of of getting him back. But to Daniel's point, which was, might it have changed their chances of winning two more games? Probably. It very well could have, because he was pitching really well, and he yeah. pitched really well afterwards. And I know that I tried to egg you guys on into getting really optimistic about this Mariners season, and you actually both did a pretty good job of not biting on that. Well, but we all agreed, I think, that since there was a chance that they could make it in as a low seed to the playoffs, it would be kind of cool for these young kids to have like not only help build the culture of like not just being constant failures, but also have some experience for playing in some playoff games. And since the first round of the playoff games were all three game series, anything can happen in a three game series, really. So there's a, at least a 60, 40 chance, or anything. I guess 40, 60 chance that, the Mariners could have advanced to the second round. Yeah. So just helping build that winning culture and then also helping get those guys some playoff at bats. Exactly. And especially with Marco Gonzalez pitching as well as he did, I got to say one of the biggest bright spots of this season was Marco Gonzalez. I mean, he was pretty much dominant throughout this entire season and my computer's not working. I'm trying to bring up his stats specifically here, but it's uh, not coming up oh, here. Here it comes. So even though it has the picture of J.P. Crawford next to his names, he had seven <laughs> wins um, and a 3-1-0 ERA. He had 64 strikeouts, and he just pitched really, really well. He was 7-2 and two on the season, 
and it seemed like whenever they needed a win or you were really hoping for a big-time win, Marco came out there and got it for him, and he pitched deep into games. He had a war of 1.4, a K rate of 8.3. Like, he just played really, really well, and it got you kind of excited that this guy could be a really, really good, solid piece for your staff moving forward. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that's probably really especially important for the Mariners because most of the prospects that we're getting really optimistic about are hitting prospects, you know, guys that are position players. So no matter what happens, whether they when they decide they want to be competitive, whether they add guys from inside the program in the farm system or whether they add guys through free agency, they will have to add pitching to be competitive. So I think knowing that you have a guy who's who's coming up and proving that he can be a workhorse for you is a really big deal on a team that seems really primed to be competitive in, in a couple years. Absolutely. And then also you saw a lot of those young players, not all of them had like monster seasons, but I think the young players that did play up and up with the major league team this year, you felt like you saw good things from. Uh, Ty France, who they just traded for, is a young guy. He ended up hitting 309 for the season. He looks like he could be a really good hitter. Uh, JP Crawford, I think if he hits 259 as a shortstop and plays as effectively as he does, that's a serviceable player, either at shortstop or maybe they move him to second base down the line, whatever it is. I think that is that's exciting to see. I mean, shoot. A Mariners shortstop hitting 259, we should all be like dancing a jig around a bonfire because that's what I always do yeah. when the Mariners make me happy. Right? <laughs> I do that all the time. Yeah. Either no, that or but, roll I mean, around in green jello had, while yodeling. We had Brendan Ryan hitting like once. <laughs> I just heard what you said. <laughs> we had Brendan Ryan hitting like 175. He ran like all the way around the bases on that air that one time, yeah. though. <laughs> uh, Kyle Lewis had a great year. His batting average did regress a ton during the end of the season, which was kind of a bummer. Ended up hitting 259 on the season, but he had an on-base percentage of 363. He was still walking a bunch at the end of the year when he was like struggling hitting, kind of going through a slump there. And his OPS was 800, which is great. And then Dylan Moore, I thought, was an excellent, turned into an excellent player because I had no expectations for him. And he ended up with, like, nine, uh, nine home runs. Is that right? Eight home In runs. What position does he play? Dylan Moore? Yeah. He's a utility infielder. Okay. So he'll probably, if they want to get him into the lineup more, it'd probably be at second base. But he just plays all over the place. Mm -hmm. And he provided great pop for him. Kyle Seeger kind of had a resurgence. He kind of slowed down towards the end of the year as well. Finished hitting uh, 244. So doesn't look great. But... We saw some good Kyle Seeger, which was really nice to see. We saw flashes from Evan White. He, mostly defensive. Mostly defensive. With occasional offense. With occasional offense. Uh, DePoto was talking the other day about how they expected struggles, and what they weren't expecting was the power numbers, which yeah. he had eight home runs, and they weren't expecting that. And so they're excited about that, and hopefully this – which, if you With project the, eight home runs over the course of a normal season, would be like low twenties, right? Like twenty. Uh, well, let's see. They played 22. sixty. They played sixty games. Yeah. Hundred twenty. Yeah, it'd be mid twenties, probably somewhere. Well, if they played one hundred and eighty games, that'd be twenty-four. That's how math works oh. in my head here. So I'm thinking yeah. like 
low twenties. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so it'd be low. Which 20s is win. which is pretty good, like for a, for a rookie in that situation. What's what are you laughing yeah, at, and Andrew? I'm just laughing at you guys doing radio math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and like I said, you saw some good things out of the young pitchers that were up to with Sheffield and Dunn. So it seemed about as well as it could have gone, especially since also Austin Nola hit out of his mind and brought back seemingly a King's ransom with that trade. So it seemed like this year worked out exactly how you'd want it to. Which I think for, um, for Chip DePoto, that's a win. Um, but for Mariners fans, like... Guys who are in depth like you are looking at it going, okay, yeah. Fairweather fans, like the majority of fans, are going, well, we stink again. We missed the playoffs. Yeah. So I appreciate the fact that you're coming out here telling people, like, hey, there's a real reason to be optimistic. There is still, I'm going to be honest with you, like, I hear everything you're saying. I agree with you. I think the player progression has been really fun to watch. I think knowing that we have Kellenic, you know, probably coming up next season is fun to know. And, you know, it's it's optimistic. But I still have that thought in the back of my head, even though everything's different. This is still the Mariners. And I don't blame you for it one bit. So let's talk about the Seahawks. Okay. Who I, are def- I have a, I have a oh. question about the Mariners because I – do we know where their draft pick will be yet? In somewhere in the middle. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, so they. That was the only like other thing. That was the only other thing is they played way too well to have a really good draft. But pick. I think if you're not like one of the top two or three in right. baseball, it kind of doesn't really matter quite as much. I think it's more and even valuable. that depends on the draft year. Yeah, and I think it's more valuable just to have like you to start to build the culture of winning. It's not yeah. like football where if you finish in the middle, you feel crappy about yourself because you don't get that like the lower pick, you get the worse off you are. Yeah. In baseball, there's so many guys there, and you have so many guys waiting in the wings in the farm system that like the more winning culture you can build, you're better off to be middle of the pack. Okay. And, and since they aren't number one, so they won't get Kumar Rocker, which just would have been awesome. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. But, I mean, let's that, talk about the Seahawks now, well, who are definitely still the Seahawks. Yeah, well, I thought, okay, hold on, Daniel. <laughs> hang on. Because the Seahawks are 3-0. and Yeah, they are. Last week, <laughs> the Seahawks won, and we all sat around and just complained That's about true. how angry we were. And we're going to do that again. Don't Never fear, <laughs> because we will skew negative. But I thought it would be fun. Before we go into the end of this first podcast and into the beginning of the second podcast, let's just each say, like, one or two things that we thought were encouraging things that happened. Positive signs from the Seahawks game. And then in the second podcast, we can skew negative. All right. Sounds good. Uh, My first one actually comes from you when, after the first half, you sent a screenshot of Russell Wilson's stats. And you were like, this is what it looks like when Russell Wilson is struggling. (laughs) And he had, like... Six incompletions and 190-some yards and three touchdowns and no interceptions. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. And it was additionally interesting because he had, I believe he had 198 yards and three touchdowns, and that was with DK Metcalf fumbling the ball out of the back of the end zone, which means if he would have had two more yards and another touchdown. So he would have gone into the half reasonably with 200 yards and four touchdowns. Yes. 
So yes, I agree a hundred percent. Don't that. bring a negative play I w- into our no 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 happy that was, time here. Right, I'm sorry. Happy I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. This is I happy going, Seahawks time. I was going positive, Russ. So it's my that's my positive takeaway is we have Russell Wilson and nobody else does. Andrew, what's your positive takeaway? Tyler Lockett is one of the best receivers in the NFL. And he has the best quarterback in the NFL throwing to him. I like it. Tyler Lockett finishing with nine catches for 100 yards and three touchdowns. And the dude is just crafty. He is crafty. I think I sent a group to our uh, a text to our group group to our text. I sent a text to our group message at one point saying it's just too bad we don't have an elite receiver because often we feel (laughs) like Tyler Lockett doesn't get the recognition and praise that he deserves. He was a monster in the first half, absolutely, and he also was a big part of helping the Seahawks close it down the stretch. I'm gonna go with. Do you want to say something? Well, I was just gonna say in three games, Tyler Lockett has gone. Eight catches for 92 yards, seven for 67, and nine for 104 touchdowns. It's a pretty darn good start to the season. He's a bad man. Yeah. I'm going to go with something that is going to sound negative when I first say it, but it's actually going to be a positive. Stop being negative. No, 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 no. This is a positive, okay? (laughs) The Seahawks pass rush is still bad. (laughs) But it's, Wait, but, but it's, it's better. better. <laughs> <laughs> it still is the detriment of the team. But in the very end of the game, we get to see rookies like Robinson come in and make a sack. We get to see at certain points in the game, LJ Collier look like a man beast and burst through the line in a way that I don't really remember anybody except on one Monday night Jadeveon Clowney doing last year. We got to see Shaquem Griffin come in at the end of the game, and although he often wasn't the guy making the actual play, it seemed like when he was on the field, the pass rush became instantly better. And the pass rush came through at the end of the game when for most of the game, the defense was garbage. So I would say my most, the thing that I think back of, you've already taken Russell, you've already taken Lockett. The thing I would go with as the next most positive sign is that the pass rush still sucks, but it's better. (laughs) And it came through for you when you really needed it. And with that bombshell. But it still sucks, though. Yeah, we're going to tell you why it still sucks. (laughs) And the defense still sucks. So if you want to leave now with all those positive juices, you can... Click away from whatever you're doing. Metcalf, Metcalf fumbled the ball out of the back. Of the oh, ball. this guy. Too casual. Don't do anything in the next part. We'll start.